I will set out for Gaul myself and confront our enemies. They will learn the error of their ways. But why might early Christians have called Nero the Antichrist? I will quash my deluded enemy, not with the sword. I intend to sing to them. Nero has lost his mind. Hey, Michael Tremblay, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so for the listeners out there, uh, hi, welcome back. Uh, <laughs> we thought we would maybe take a, a break from oh, yeah. my, my watch beeping. I'm taking a break. For it. Stop it. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. It's my wife's 10-year sobriety anniversary today. Nice. Everybody. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start tomorrow. So looking forward to that. Um, We take a break from fun things like castrating young lovers and kicking wives to death and uh, talk about the the third most important thing in life after those two things. The third most important thing in life is having a philosophy. Now, Ray, you've you've known me a long time. How often do I talk about the importance of having a philosophy? Ah. I wouldn't say too much, but close to that. It's pretty annoying, right? It's it's like not quite as annoying as a brand new vegan in Rome telling you that oh, everything those, you, that you have to be a vegan because she's been worst. a vegan for a week. Now you and have she to can be a kick vegan. your ass. So. Yeah, well, she's an Israeli paratrooper, yeah. But well, uh, somebody telling you they need to have a philosophy is just as important. Um, Michael Tremblay, uh, you're actually an expert on uh, Stoicism, Michael. Tell us, tell us about yourself, Michael. Yeah, so um, nice to meet everyone, both virtually over the podcast as well. Um, so co- philosophy context, um, I've been digging deep into Stoicism, which you know is what, what you guys have been covering recently with uh, you know, Seneca. Marcus Aurelius will also be you know, coming up later, I'm assuming, if you're going through. Um, yeah. So... so I've been focusing on that for around seven years. Um, recently got my PhD where I focused on Epictetus, who's one of the Stoics, Work focused on his work. Um, yeah, and then outside of that, I'm really into martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, wrestling, competing in that kind of space, which gives me an opportunity, I think, to apply the Stoicism and do some difficult things, nice. um, which kind of rounds out the, you know, you both, you study it and then you try to, you try to apply it, try to put it into action. So it's a bit about me. Right. Cool. Wow. Where, where are you based, Michael? So I, I'm I'm in Toronto right now, um, so based out of Canada, yeah. But I do actually work for an Australian company, so I, I've spent so a lot I. of time, yeah, <laughs> really recently getting to know getting to know a lot of Australian culture, which has been interesting. It's been good. I apologize. Cool. I apologize on behalf of my country <laughs> for anything it's, like me. I'm which, not going to stop. Which Australian stop. company? I may, have I heard of them? Um, it's Nows Group. It's a consulting company. Um, Nows Group. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, but again, also with the Australians, um, the sense of humor, you know, the kind of, uh, I guess the bluntness is something, you know, they, they're talking about that when they're spending time with Canadians. It's, it's, it's a little bit harder sometimes, you know, because Canadians are less willing, I guess, to put it out there and to be, to be upfront with stuff. Um, mm. Yeah. Australians yeah. keep it out there. Can, yeah. can, can, Canadians <laughs> are less willing to put out is what Michael just said. Um, yeah. Look, <laughs> yeah. And, and, 
Just so you know where I fit in the Australian spectrum of bluntness, my mother's nickname for me is Cameron the Blunt. I swear right. to God. So <laughs> not because he smokes them. Right, right. I'm just clarifying. <laughs> no, I have a vape. I don't uh, don't combust. I, I, no, I vaporize. Well, Much better exactly. for you. Exactly. Um, well, that's great, Michael. I, I myself am uh, a bit of a martial artist uh, doing Wing Chun Kung Fu. And I did karate as a kid. And I think that's where my interest in philosophy started was when I was doing karate as a, as a 10-year-old, uh, you know, just uh, sort of introduced me to the whole sphere of Eastern religion. But, I, you know, I didn't get into uh, the Greeks until some time later. So uh, what was it about Stoicism? How did you get introduced to Stoicism? We'll get into it, but how did you get introduced into Stoicism and, and why did it uh, attract you enough to devote so much of your energy towards it? Yeah, well, you guys, um, this is definitely already the most jokes I've had in a, in a podcast talking about <laughs> philosophy. So you guys let me know how light or how heavy you want to keep it. Um, I'll try to keep Deal. up with your pace. but it's uh, You go heavy, we go light. That's how <laughs> yes. it works. That's, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think I've got it in there um, to, be, to be heavy to your light. Um, but speaking to the martial arts example, I think what we have, at least speaking to my experience, there's real emphasis on morality in kind of a religious context, but there, there's a there's a gap of a discussion of meaning, as you talked about, a personal philosophy, sense making outside of a religious context. And now a lot of people are rejecting or moving away from religion, and this kind of creates this gap. And um, martial arts certainly fills that gap, right? Martial arts is about self improvement with a sense of like purpose and responsibility and, and morals and values that's not grounded in this kind of a metaphysical God, just in, you know, you're going to learn how to kill people that comes with a certain degree of responsibility. And mm-hmm. that those questions always really interested me. And then when I was in grad school for philosophy, I ended up reading Epictetus, who's one of the Stoics. He was a, he was a slave who ended up leaving Rome and founding his own school of philosophy and teaching there. And when I read his stuff, it was just kind of one of those moments, you know, when you just get struck with it. Like I had to read a chapter for homework and I I read the whole book over the weekend. And it was just one of those things where, you know, you just fall in love with it. Um, And then there's something important here. There's something I have to pursue. And what struck me about Stoicism um, is the, the key crux of Stoicism is this idea that what matters when it comes to being a good person and living a good life is the decisions you make. It's the quality of your character. It's not the external circumstances. And that appeals to me for a couple of reasons. First, it's kind of, it's, it's motivating, it's empowering, right? The responsibilities on you to construct a, a valuable life and a good life. Um, and the other thing is that I think it strikes at something true that people have moved away from, right? Which is this, this focus on external conditions, and when I say external conditions, I mean, you know, like your job, your money, your appearance, your social media, things like this, which are kind of like proxies. They're kind of like representations. You know, they, they represent your excellency, you know, the, the amount of Instagram followers you have or, mm-hmm. you know, how much how much you can show off or things like this. And I, I think people in, ter- in trying to represent being great have kind of moved away from being great a bit and lost that focus on character. And I like that stoicism pulls us back to that. Nice. As opposed to the appearance of success or affluence or, the, or a well life, to actually find the tools necessary to lead, to live a life worth living and being a good person and being a good part of the community. That's what I picked up in the last 48 hours of reading about Stoicism. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and 
and so so there's this kind of there's this kind of virtue side of it, right? So there's how to be a good person. Then there's this kind of happiness side of it too, right? Mm. Which come hand in hand because for the Stoics to be a good person is to also be happy. And you say, well, you know, how is that the case? Why you know, there's plenty of good people that are suffering and you know have hardship. But the picture there was that a lot of our suffering comes from attaching value to things that don't actually matter and right. that are external to us. And, and they don't matter because they are external to us, right? So things like our reputation, um, you know, a lot of it gets tied, I think, into reputation. But things like our reputation, our external circumstances. Um, and so because we stress, let's say, about what people think of us, let's say um, – then we, we suffer, we, we, we're, we're cautious, we go about our life worried, and not only that, but we, we do shitty things, right? We, you know, we make fun, we bully someone to become popular, right? Or we yeah. take on a job we don't like to, so that we can drive an expensive car and live in a certain kind of house. So we, we, we emotionally suffer and compromise our character because we have a distorted sense of, of what's important. Um, I like that. Yeah. Uh, Cam, if I could take 30 seconds real quick and give you my philosophical journey. Cause well, it's, this it's should be good. almost, yeah. almost uh, as fascinating as uh, my everyone's business. everyone sit down. Yeah, for everybody this. take a seat, in. take a knee. Yeah. Welcome Strap to uh, Uncle Ray's corner. This oh, is going to blow you away. Wow. Up until 48 hours ago, I've, I lived I've, my life. Sorry. Yes, I've seen, yes, I've seen please. posters up around my neighborhood police posters <laughs> specifically telling me to avoid Uncle Ray's corner because right. lots of children have disappeared after going yes. to Uncle Ray's. So yes. but I'm glad have a good time? We're, we're doing this over uh, Zoom. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably best. So up until 48 hours ago, you could say that I lived my life kind of like that song, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. It's kind of how I live my life. But because of you two gentlemen, and I use the word. How does that one go been, again? Um, oh, if, if it makes you happy, you can't be that bad. See, like that. But I'm sober now, so it probably doesn't sound as good. But let me, if I can get back to my story. But because of you two gentlemen, the last 48 hours, audiobooks, YouTube, you know, just boom, you know, the great courses I've been, ah. so now I've been, I don't want to use the word boring, but I've been boring my wife and children. But no, we're doing it all wrong. We're doing it all wrong. You can only control so much. The rest, let it go. Just let it go. And then I started breaking into let it go, but that's copyright. Uh, and just, you know, it's, it's been an eye opener for me. It's like I've been stressed for all these years about things that I thought were under my control. No fucking clue what I'm doing. Excuse my language. And so I, you, know, you, you begin that journey. You realize you, I can't really control Pretty much almost anything except for my thoughts and my actions. Let the rest go. Hold I on. Really I thought go. I thought I yeah. drove that idea that you had control over your thoughts and actions out of you when we did the Three Illusions podcast. No, no. I mean, it was like, you know, I, that's the only thing. Uh, as far as what you know, right. as far as me interacting with society, mm. I, whoop, I could be a mm. good person or a bad person. And right. up this time, it turns out I've been a baddie. Yeah, I was a baddie. We, we all know. With, we with all my, know that, right? Yeah. With Michael's help, <clears throat> I hope to turn this ship around. Getting back to Uncle Uncle Ray's corner. <clears throat> I'm done. I'm done. Um, let's go back. Uh, I apologize for Ray, Michael. Let's go back to. So um, so let's go back to the beginnings of Stoicism. Now, Ray and I did a, a long and and deeply annoying series on <clears throat> Alexander the Great uh, some years ago, and as I recall, uh, the story went that. 
uh, around about 300 BCE when Alexander was uh, looking for something. He, he, he knew he, there was something out there. He couldn't remember what it was, but he needed to get it. It was really important, and he just went all the way uh, to, to India looking for it. And um, doing this, uh, have you seen my? Have, it's, 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 it's this thing. It's like my wife. What? She's. I, I, I turn over in bed at night, and my wife's on a on a iPhone. I'm like, "What are you doing?" She goes, uh, "Shopping for stuff." And I go, "What? What? What do you? What do you want? What do you need?" <laughs> Nothing. I just. I just got Happiness. this. You know. I think yeah. it might be a hat. It might be shoes. I'm not sure what yeah. what it is. Alexander. It was just or like both. That. He was just searching yeah. for happiness. Yeah. With the sword. Um, when his when he and his army came back from India, um, Stoicism and uh, Epicureanism sort of emerged around about the same time, three hundred BCE ish, uh, a little bit after Alexander, because uh, as again my recollection of the story is. And they, they, they both emerged in Athens around about the same time, and life in Athens had changed dramatically uh, pre and post Alexander and his father Philip of Macedon because mm-hmm. before uh, before Alexander and his successors, um, to be a to be a man, uh, a free citizen man, white man basically, uh, in Athens. Meant you were the polis. You 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 identified with the city itself. You 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 were foundational and fundamental to the operating of the polis. You had to play a role. You had a responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility, as you said earlier. And Spider Man right. ripped you off. I think at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I believe you've got a, a, a court case uh, still pending, so we can't talk too much pending. about it. Lawyers have told right. us not to get too involved. Uh, the but after uh, Alexander and and his successors became kings of Athens, his successors did anyway. Good old one eye, uh, Optothalmus, <laughs> I think it was. Yes. Um, the, the the there was no role really for most citizens to play in the life of the polis anymore. They they had been mm. stripped of this sense of meaning that they'd had for centuries. And so they started looking for a new sense of purpose, a new sense of meaning. There was the rise of individualism, uh, pre-Christian individualism. Christianity took it to a whole new level, but pre-Christian individualism where instead of thinking about what is good for the city-state, what is good for the polis, people started thinking about what is, what is good for me and what role should I play in society? How do I find peace? How do I find happiness? Is that uh, at, at, at an all accurate? Because this is about five years ago we finished this series. At all accurate memory of uh, the the beginnings of Stoicism. Yeah, see, I think that's where your work is valuable. Um, is that I come from this from a philosophical perspective, so kind of look at it as a history of ideas and how the ideas interacted and built upon each other. Where you're talking about the historical, you know, material conditions that produce this, the kind of sociological conditions, I, I really, I really, it's a bit outside my wheelhouse. Um, that sounds about right. I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, the the phil, I can give a picture of the philosophical progression of how it got there, um, but in terms of politically and historically, I mean, I, I, that seems that seems to make sense as well. Um, mm-hmm. 
Well, let's let's just assume for the sake of this podcast, as we have done for many years, that everything I say is correct. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's how I live my life. No I, debate is tolerated. No, no. no. Yeah, Cam's yeah. always going, huh, huh? I'll smack you, huh? Sorry. Sorry. I can give a okay, bit well, of the, the philosophical yeah. picture. Cool. That'd be so great. The Please way that do. I typically think about this progress is you have you have Socrates, right? In this really simple, uh, in this kind of simplified picture, the same way you provided. And Socrates, for those that don't know, um, you know, philosophy before him is called pre-Socratic philosophy, right? So he's really the guy, kind of the founder. And from him, his student was Plato, and Plato's student was Aristotle, who was actually tutor and taught Alexander the, the Great. So there's that direct lineage and philosophical connection there. But Socrates was this character who, you know, was kind of disheveled, you know, ugly, kind of perhaps a bit unsanitary, and would basically go around, um, you know, harassing people, inquiring into the kind of knowledge that they had, if they really knew what they thought they knew. Into, Sorry, into are you talking about character. Ray or Socrates here? <laughs> um, <laughs> a little bit of both. We, okay. There's that. Sorry. Mine's sexual harassment. Please continue, Michael. Go ahead. <laughs> it's a different kind of harassment. It, it is. Um, it is. Coming back to the, the Ray's corner. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> So going going through that, um, Socrates ends up being ends up being killed by the state. Right, he ends up being um, accused of impiety, accused of corrupting the youth, turning them away from the traditional gods towards this kind of new, you know, I don't know questioning philosophy and questioning, not taking things for granted, not taking these, not relying on these assumptions that we have in kind of uh, Greek culture, and he takes a stand right at his court case. He's basically like, you know, fuck you guys. Right. Like if you don't appreciate, you don't appreciate what I'm doing for you. Oh, like, be careful you. of the language. Be careful yeah. of the language on this show, Michael. We're, we're very, figure, we're very delicate. Uh, so. <laughs> Is this um, a new thing? Is this, sorry. Go ahead. My who swear. Where did that happen? <laughs> and, um, so the, the, basically he's, 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 He's taken as guilty, like he's he's convicted of being guilty of corrupting the youth. Mm-hmm. And in in ancient Athens, you're allowed to propose your own punishment, right? And he proposes his punishment is you honor me as an Olympic victor, right? That's what I propose is my punishment. And then the other people yeah. propose death, and more people vote him to die than voted him guilty ha- in the first a, place. A bit of a haggling went on, bit of a yeah. negotiation <laughs> there between the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then eh, and yeah. And so he ends up, he ends up, you know, he ends up, he ends up dying, he ends up drinking the hemlock, very famous moment. And from there you get kind of, I, I view it as this, this Christ-like figure, right? So this person who, who died for their ideals, didn't compromise themselves. And from there you have these offshoot of schools who are all saying, well, this was the real lesson of Socrates, or this was the real teaching of Socrates. You had the cynics who thought mm-hmm. it was kind of, um, pursuing virtue and, and moving away from societal conventions. You had um, the skeptics who's thought, you know, that Socrates' real teaching was that he, he knew that he knew nothing. So it was his kind of the way that he questioned all these assumptions. And then you had the Stoics who thought his, his teaching was this commitment to virtue, this, this lack of fear of, of this being unwilling to compromise in the face, the face of death. Um, right. So you have these philosophical offshoots from Socrates um, so that's that's one way that I see the 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 intellectual lineage. But you're absolutely right that that's connecting with the kind of historical um, and social movements at the time as well. 
And because um, it, it, Stoicism and Epicureanism seemed to emerge after Alexander's troops came back from India, the the suggestion in some of the books that I read was that there was a little bit of Hinduism and Buddhism that flowed over and vice versa. I remember us telling the story that pre-Alexander, Alexander's invasion of India, the way uh, Buddha had never been depicted as, uh, well, as Ray, basically, short, fat <laughs> guy with a beard uh, yeah. with, a, with a happy face because he'd been eating gummies before he came on the air. Um, there, was that, there was no depiction of, of the Buddha as, uh, as, a, as a human. It was only ever depicted, I think, as footprints. There was just hmm. footprints because he was leading oh, wow. the way. There was no anthropomorphization of, of Gautama. But after the Greeks came and said, hey, well, we, we, our gods are all gorgeous, they went, okay, well, maybe we can do a human version, but we, we're not that vain, so we'll make him look no. like a short, fat dude. Uh, <laughs> right. we, we can all, we can all, no one wants to listen to somebody who looks like Apollo. That's just, right. that's, that, that's confronting. No, look, look at his abs. Look at, the, look at his yeah. tiny penis. Right. We can't all right. have a tiny penis just- like that. Um, you know, it's it. Uh, they needed to make the Buddha more accessible. Um, yes. So a little bit of representative. Little bit of um, oh, what's the word for it now? Um, Cross pollination. Yeah, but there's an actual word for it, uh, syncretism. A little bit mm. of syncretism between the two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so well, mm. to, to to build on that point, the connections between Stoicism and Buddhism, I think, are quite apparent to anybody who you know digs into them a little bit. And the main the main similarity is that a lot of our suffering is derived from attachments, incorrect attachments. Mm, we we right. attach ourselves, our identity, our value to things we shouldn't be attached to. The Buddhist answer to this is that we shouldn't attach our identity to anything because we don't exist, right? It's the, it's the dissolving of the individual wow. in, into, into everything. The, mm-hmm. the stoic point is the kind of solidifying the individual as this, as this untouchable core. You are just your capacity to make decisions, to be a good or bad person. So don't attach yourself to anything beyond that. Um, So pretty different at at its base, but similar answers to why we're we're suffering and why we're doing wrong. Gotcha. I mean, the Buddhists have the eightfold path as well in order to purify themselves and thoughts and actions so they can focus on you know, the, the dissolution of the ego and, you know, that eightfold path about how to live a good life, how to be a good member of society, those sorts of things I find similar uh, to my very uh, basic understanding of Stoicism. All right, so we've talked about the history. Let's talk about um, the, 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 some of the more of the fundamental uh, ideas inside of Stoicism. Can you take us through Stoic Thought 101 a little bit further? Yeah, great. So Stoic Thought 101, I, 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 um, let me think of the right way to frame this. So, so you, you brought up the Epicureanism, right? So all of these schools, they, they, they looked at philosophy. It was a way of life. It was supposed to make you happy and a good person. And then they disagreed about what it meant to be happy, how, how you achieved happiness and what it meant right. to be a good person. A little bit less on what it meant to be a good person. It was you know, the same kind of embodiment of these key virtues of you know, courage and justice and temperance and things like this. Um, and so for, for the Epicureans, right, and I, I'm, I'm going into this because it's really helpful when you, when you contrast them. For the Epicureans, mm-hmm. to, be, you know, to be happy was to feel as much pleasure as possible and as little pain as possible. That's what it, that's what it meant to live a good life, right? 
And for the Stoics, what it meant to live a good life was to make the best decisions, right? And, and best decisions ultimately as, as moral decisions to do the right thing when you're confronted with, with choices, right? Mm-hmm. And they had this, this disagreement. It basically came down to you know, what they thought we were, right? Because the Greeks had this view of teleology. So they had this view that everything had a natural end. So I don't know, you think of an example, like you, you take a dog and you can see, sometimes you can see these dogs and they're like, you know, they're dressed up in little suits and they're getting carried around in purses. And you're thinking, I don't know if that's the way a dog should live, <laughs> right? It seems something wrong about that. Um, right. And there was the same kind of view about people. And, and for Epicureans, what we were essentially was we were, you know, we were, what we were, we could tell when we we're kids is we, we we're drawn towards this pleasure and we don't like this pain, right? And that's what's essential. That's the core part of us. We should pursue pleasure and avoid pain. As it mm. turns out, you know, things tend to, to, to be, you tend to feel more pleasure when you're a good person because you're less stressed about people coming back and, you know, hating oh. you and stabbing you. And, and um, but right. the, the core was that pursuit of pleasure. Um, for the Stoics, what we are is we are, we are rational beings. That's what differentiates, differentiates us from the dogs, from the animals, we are decision-making creatures. So to be our best selves, we have to make good decisions. And to make good decisions, it means to, to, to reflect, reflect correctly. And so we see this when we, when we reflect incorrectly, when we value things we shouldn't, when we make poor decisions, we suffer. When we, when we reflect correctly, we, we flourish right. and we live great lives. Um, so that's the, that's the 101, the kind of the, the value core. And then that gets manifested in a lot of different ways. So one of the ways that manifests is something Cameron you already referred to, which is the dichotomy of control. Or it was it was it was Ray as well who mentioned that, which is this view that some things are up to us, some things are not, and we should focus on the things that are up to us. Mm-hmm. But that's just an extension. That's a really profound thing you can pick up really quickly, and is really useful no matter what you are or or no matter what you do in your life. But that's just an extension of the original idea, right? Which is that what is up to us is the choices we make. What is not up to us is everything else. So we should focus on those choices we make. Right. Um, and then everything else is really just a, just an extension of that or a continuation of that core idea that it is really – it is not the cards you're dealt. It's the – you know, how you play them. Um, and, oh, one other key idea to Stoicism 101 is people often respond to something like, well, if I'm trying to be happy, it's not just – you know, the decisions I make, it's also this kind of emotional life, right? It's also these sensations. And the right. stoic response is that as rational beings, they have a cognitive view of emotions, which is that our emotions are the, the consequences of the judgments we make, right? Mm-hmm. So we feel sad when we judge something bad has happened. We feel happy when we judge something good has happened. We feel anxious when we think something bad might happen. And so the stoic goal to happiness is to only have emotions that are the reflections of accurate judgments, right? So when we go through, it, it's not stop feeling this because it hurts. It's is the, is the judgment that's producing this emotion true, right? And if it is true, feel it in the appropriate amount. Don't exaggerate. Don't, don't add to it. You know, Seneca talks mm-hmm. about this a lot, right? You know, grieve, right. But, but you don't grieve too much, right? Mm. And if we do that, if we remove the false judgments, we end up with a, a much smoother flow of life because these extremes we feel are coming from yo-yoing between these, these false judgments where we, we think our happiness depends on these external things and, and these kind of 
incorrectly placed value judgments. Um, right. That was a lot. But how, how was that? Anything you want to dig into that? No, yeah, that was good. And I, I, I just talking about, um, and we'll get more into Seneca because obviously it's partly the point of, of being here. We'll get into him shortly. But I remember when we were doing um, some Seneca episodes a while back, I read some of his writings. Um, and the one that I remember the most is on benefits <clears throat> because <clears throat> I have been the recipient of benefactors many times and – I like this book because if they ever uh, are feeling unhappy about how much return they got from their <laughs> benefaction, uh, I can just give them that book and say, look, Seneca says that if you're feeling bad about the fact that you you know, donated some money to my project and the project didn't pay back and didn't come together, then right. that's on you. <laughs> you. You had the wrong mindset when you gave the money. You should. Seneca said, "My understanding of it in, on benefits is when you give the money, you shouldn't be giving it expecting a return. You should be giving it because it makes you feel good to help, to contribute, to to share the benefits that you've had in your life, your largesse. the The mindset is what's important. You're a bad benefactor, and you're <laughs> you're causing your own unhappiness." Because yes. if you give something with the wrong attitude and then, you know, the, the, your expectation isn't met, you feel bad. The person that you gave the money to feels bad because they know that you hate them. So now you've created this circle of <laughs> ill feelings where if you're just given it, like, it like as, as, you know, listeners to this show and our other shows, Mike, will know that for eight long years I've tolerated Ray's complete inability <laughs> to do any work or yeah. – uh, um, And uh, care. And, I, and care. And I pay him yeah. religiously right. every month. You think he, he would have learned by now. And, and because it's, it's – you know, I give to Ray with no right. expectation. I gave up expectations with Ray a long, long, long time and ever ago. Since as then, as did his wife. Better. I learned this from well, his wife. She said to me, look, you'll be a lot happier yeah. if you just yeah. don't expect him to do anything – if you need something like sexual gratification, <laughs> seek it somewhere Not else. Here. I do. Not here. No, no. Because no. all he I'm does focused is focused on my happiness. High and exactly. uh, <laughs> I'll let books, you know when you're wrong, buddy. Read books I'll on history. <laughs> See, I told you he's unoffendable. Cannot right. be offended. I've been well, trying because for of eight you years. Too. <laughs> I've been stowing the fuck out of it for the last forty eight hours. <laughs> stowing the fuck. I. Can't. I can't control what you say or how you feel. All I can do is control me and me don't yeah. give a fuck about, no, I'm just joking. No, no but, that's but, the right philosophy. Yeah, though. That's, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. I don't I'm care. I'm Australian you... now. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> <what> it is. <laughs> but my... Australian DNA has gone through the microphone <laughs> and through yeah. our bodies in Vegas in a hot uh, yes, and sweaty yes, hotel yes. room. And it's gone yeah. into you. Yeah. Deep. Um, but yeah, go ahead. There, there is one point, Cameron, I want to respond to on that. Um, yeah. And and I feel like I feel like you guys have such a kind of edutainment way of talking about this stuff. It's really impressive and great. And then I come in, I'll just like nerd out for a bit, and then you guys. Uh, can... Wait, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's where we get we get the boring nerd academics away. on, and you know, to show people what really intelligent people sound like. Exactly. No, please um, continue. Yeah. But so 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 there's this idea of benefits, right? So there's this idea of, you know, and and Seneca's point is that when you 
when you help somebody out, you should help because it's the right thing to do, right? And if you get your kind of hopes and your conceptions built into it, not only is it going to hurt you, it's going to soil the relationship with the other person. So it's not even going to be as good of a favor, right? Right. Um, and so Aristotle has this view, which is really profound, really helpful for me, where there's these kind of three components to virtue, which is that you have to do the right thing for the right reason, and you have to feel the right way about it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about philanthropy or you think about giving, you have to give. Mm. You have to do the right thing. Then you have to mm. do it for the right reason. You can't be like, well, I'm going to look really good if I give this or this person's going to have to pay me back later and they're going to pay me back more. And then you have to feel the right, right way about it. And that's the kind of the, the last point, which is that if you do the right thing but you're like, oh, this sucks. I hate this. Um, there's something missing, right? And eventually the highest level is to just like feel joy as you're helping other people, right? It's to be how those emotions come together with, with right. virtuous action. Um, mm. and that's a bit of what you're talking about. I think just a different way of framing it. Yes, with, much, with, much smarter way of framing it. Thank you, Michael. Well, Aristotle is a smart guy, not me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just take credit for it. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> would it be fair to say with everything that Cam just said, and, and you just said about someone giving money to someone else and you know, whatever the proper expectations or whatever that remind, and I could be, and I could be off here in my comparisons, but that reminded me of what Cicero wrote about who, a non-Stoic wrote about the archer. Um, I found, you know, you do everything you can to line up your shot. You practice, you do everything. But the second you let go and the bow, it's on its way. The arrow's on its way. Excuse me. You've done everything you can. What happens after that beyond your control? I shouldn't expect anything good or bad. I've done all I can because there's like a thousand things that can happen between me letting it go and it going to the target. So when Cam said that, it reminded me you just – you know, you, you either give or you shoot and, and that's it. Your part is done. No matter what happens, your part is done. It's up to whatever other forces under different controls. So therefore I shout, think about it or worry about it or be happy about it. It doesn't, because it's out of my control. It doesn't matter to me anymore. Yeah. Cause, cause an often response to stoicism and what happens mm-hmm. with stoicism is you either, people either reject it or they take it too far. And sometimes when you take it too far, it's like, well, you know, why do I care about anything? Why should I try right. to do anything, right? If Good I don't point. care about what's outside of my control and you're, you're missing the point there, right? Because this is where the archer metaphor comes in. Right. And so the archer, the, 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 the misunderstanding would be why even shoot? Why do anything? Nothing matters. But uh, the, the archer has the ability to aim as well as they can with the skill they have in the moment and the information right. they have in the moment. And that's, right. the, that's the stoic excellence, right? Mm. This is Cicero's point. Whether right. or not, you know, the wind blows in a way that you couldn't calculate given your current knowledge or anybody's knowledge, whether or not somebody knocks over the target before it gets there, whether or not someone right. bumps into you right before you let go, that's not, that's not up to you. And that's not, not only pr- like pragmatically. So like, not only will you be stressed, but pragmatically you will be mm-hmm. a worse archer. If you start th- stressing about the wind or stressing about someone right. bumping into you in a way that you don't have control over, right? So you are you are l- less happy and less effective. Um, so the, the goal is, is to assume that, that right. archer perspective, right? It's to aim the shot as best as you can and then let it go once it's out of your hands. Um, and yeah, so in, in the, we're talking about the gift-giving example. There's lots of other examples you can use, but yeah, you, you, know, you mm-hmm. give someone – you buy someone a gift and they don't respect it. They don't care about it. You lend someone, you lend someone money or give, even give someone money and they don't, they don't use it as, as responsibly as you'd like. 
you know, mm-hmm. that wasn't, that wasn't up, what was up to you. What was up to you was that decision to make, to make the gift, right? Right. Although I, I really I, like I do, that. I do want yeah. to warn people though, don't, as Ray did, try to <laughs> use this as your legal defense after you went around <laughs> shooting people with arrows uh, for a month. And when the police caught him, he said, listen, right? what happens hey. after I let go of the arrow? <laughs> That's got nothing... Look, yeah. Let me let me let me yeah. read to you from Cicero. What Cicero <laughs> says here is that yes. it's not my responsibility. What happens? So yeah. sorry, case closed, boys. Cicero, yeah. and I, bono, and I, benefits. And I end with, I guess there's egg on your face, Judge. Oh, I'm going where? <laughs> For how long? Oh crap. Okay. Back to Uncle Ray's corner. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Hey everyone, Ray here. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Next time will be the second and final part of our interview with Michael Tremblay about the Stoic philosophy.